Undocumented people pay so much in taxes already into this economy and that if we remove them from the equation, it's really going to be messed up and we should actually give them the civil like voting rights to participate in the policies of the economy that they're already putting to work. Hey, Dustin. Hey, Crystal. Hey, researchers. You're listening to the Mesearch Podcast, and we're your hosts. My name is Dustin Domingo. And I am Crystal Tugatti. On this show, we have critical, messy, and fun conversations with each other, with friends, and with leaders in the community. Together, we'll unpack important issues, learn and unlearn what we think we know about what it means to be Filipino. Today on the show, we're meeting Isabel Gerardo. Isabel Gerardo is a tenants' rights attorney, affordable housing activist, a mom, a lifelong Angelino, and a candidate to become the next Los Angeles City Council member for District 14. Ooh, and if Isabel wins, she'll be the first Filipina-American to be elected to the LA City Council. So on this episode of MeSearch, we're learning more about Isabel and exactly why she's running for council. Y'all, let's welcome our special guest, Isabel Jurado. Thank you for welcoming me to the pod. I'm hey. excited to get critical, messy, and have fun. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Dang. Okay, shoot. Well, let's do that. Yeah. <laughs> So it, for everybody out there, Isabel was one of the first people I schmoozed with at a Filipino-American uh, get-together party schmooze fest um, hosted by Face Forward in the fall of 2023. Um, and at the moment when we're recording, it's the spring of – it's January 2024, and election is just around the corner. So we're so happy to get you in um, before election time so that we can uh, learn more about you and kind of like what brings you to this moment in life. So can you tell us a little bit about your background and qualifications and why you're seeking LA City Council? Yeah, definitely. Um, You know, I'm so happy to be here. A little bit about me. I'm like thinking about the themes of learning and unlearning, right? And what it means to be Filipino. And You know, I've talked about this on the campaign, but there are just so many aspects to my identity that I'm talking about on this campaign that I feel like, you know, five-year-old, 12-year-old, 15-year-old, 21-year-old Isabel would not be saying the same things at all, right? Um, And so, you know, my background is I'm Filipino. My parents migrated here from the Philippines. Um, My mom was petitioned by her mom. And she gave my dad an ultimatum of uh, basically, if you don't come get me, the guy on the bus is really cute and I'm going to marry him instead. And my dad was like, (laughs) I know, I know. So my dad dad was like, say less, no papers, let's go. And so migrated here without his paperwork. So I'm a daughter of undocumented immigrants. A lot of my friends didn't know that growing up. In fact, I didn't know that when I was growing up. It was a secret. Um, And then, you know, something we were ashamed of and even now, you know, grapple with on the campaign to be like, this is a reality for a lot of folks. Right. Um, And I grew up humbly in Highland Park with my crazy, loud Filipino family, lots and lots of women around, um, always giving advice and around. And then um, 
you know, have lived in this house all my life. Um, and then at 18, I became a single teen mom. Uh, you know, I met, <laughs> actually, I went to high school with some of Dustin's friends. Um, yes! <laughs> <laughs> you know, I went to Catholic high school. I went to Catholic school and like a very good Catholic girl got pregnant after the first year of private Catholic college and came home and, you know, had my daughter and my life was forever changed. It was 2008. Um, and then the recession hit my family really, really hard, withdrew from school, went on food stamps, um, uh, you know, had to get a job, had to go to community college and like traverse life as this like very pregnant teenager who looked younger than I was. And my body became everybody's business. Um, and I really learned, you know, it was a very humbling experience and, you know, made me care even more about serving other people. I mean, I had interned at a courthouse and I was going through my own baby daddy problems with custody and was interning at a courthouse and helping adults with their custodial issues, but they had limited English, they had limited education, and they were leaning on me to help them with paperwork. And I thought, well, this is just like, like, what inequity there is in the system, right? Mm -hmm. And because I have access to education, uh, to English, to my parents helping me out, you know, I am able to see my kids, which I just thought was a vital right that everyone should have. And then you know, from then on, committed myself to doing public interest work based on my experience. So defended workers against wage theft, like my father faced when he was undocumented, was an eviction defense attorney at the height of the pandemic, repre- representing low-income tenants and small businesses, was the only Filipina <laughs> um, out there in those streets during that time. Uh, I actually speak Tagalog, and, you know, for a lot of our kababayan that are TNT, and it was like, they're already getting, you know, fearful of being evicted, but they were threatened with deportation. And so talking to an attorney period was already a scary thing. But, you know, in my broken Tagalog and most of it slang and jokes, it was a way to like make them feel comfortable through this very, very scary time. Um, and now I'm running because all of these things are just like issue spotting, you know, problem solving when really city council members have the ability to raise the baseline quality of life of Angelinos, whether whether it's like open up your business and make sure it's like easy and you get your permits on time or, you know, your rep. And so I'm excited. I want to represent Filipinos. I think our struggle is so emblematic of others in this, um, you know, in, in America, and we could learn a lot from others as well. And this could be a really good role for us to build bridges on council and even in LA. Wow. Thank you for sharing your story. And it's nice to hear your story just because I feel like we generally don't hear the stories of like um, our community members, especially when there is hardship. So it's like just being so honest about like your experience is like really wonderful to hear and like, and empowering. So thank you for sharing all of that. And it's so interesting to hear about your experience, like learning about all the discrepancies, like working in the courthouse and like even down to like your own family. So what are some things that the L.A. community right now um, needs to be aware of as far as um, things that like maybe you're pushing for specifically um, issues like that might be under the radar that we need to learn about ourselves? 
Yeah, I mean, like if any folks here that are listening or no folks that had COVID rent debt, you know, um, that rent is going to be due February, right? Um, and so if you're not caught up, you got to get caught up or figure out a way to get caught up. And also um, units can have their rent increased again, like during the pandemic and rent freezes, um, but the rent can be increased by at least like 4% starting in February as well. So if you have COVID rent debt, um, you may also be hit with a new rent increase. Like all of these things are happening and on the horizon. And I know from my experience as an eviction defense attorney that, yeah, this definitely affects all Angelinos and Filipinos. Um, one of the issues that I think about in particular as a housing rights advocate and eviction, like former eviction defense attorney is just like, you know, our live-in workers uh, who are Filipino and like stay at mansions and they don't have a formal lease agreement. Like they technically have renter's rights, but, um, you know, have a hard time um, you know, actually reaching their rights because their employer is also their landlord. And if they make a fuss about, you know, their living situation, they may be out of a job and I don't know, maybe they don't even have their passport, like all of these things and trying to think about how, you know, when on council and how can our housing uh, renters rights actually, um, you know, capture that group of people who are in this particularly very, very vulnerable situation, right? And some of the uh, domestic workers, they live in like tiny closets, you know? Um, and that's what they are doing for themselves, but also for, you know, people back home. And so those are kind of like one of the kind of niche issues that I think particularly affects our community that we don't talk about. You have a deep connection with undocumented communities. You have personal experience with that. I know that uh, we have listeners who are either undocumented themselves or have uh, direct connections in their family with people who are undocumented. How are you engaging undocumented folks in the issues that you're trying to raise during this time of election when they feel like they may not have power to participate? Yeah, like all of these communities that I'm a part of are like under attack, it feels like, right? Um, and in an election year where uh, Trump just like got, like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one of the things that it's always about is like, <laughs> I'm just like, whenever they say we can't have any like undocumented people migrating over here, I was like, who's going to keep doing this work, you know? And there's like this Instagram graphic that was like saying that like undocumented people pay so much in taxes already into this economy and that if we remove them from the equation, it's really going to be messed up and we should actually give them the civil like voting rights to participate in the policies of the economy that they're already putting to work, right? Like they're part of the reason why economy is even, you know, functioning at this point, because they're a specific class of workers we can't live without. And on this campaign, it's all about empowerment and, and lending my voice, right? Um, and centering them in a lot of the issues that I care about, whether it's housing, whether it's like workers' rights, um, whether it's homelessness, right? Like all of these things 
are about, the, my approach to it is about centering the groups that are most affected by these issues and making sure that they're the authority on the policies and I get their buy-in before I say it outside to the world because they are the people that are the experts on what is best for them. And so, I mean, right now it's about solidarity, right? Um, solidarity, making sure our communities are empowered, um, whether you're queer, oh, this other thing is like came out queer later in life. So that's another identity, another other for for my identity that is, uh, you know, makes me a different Filipino, I guess. I don't know. Um, but it's just like, you know, for the queer community, for the undocumented community, those are the communities that are under attack. But, um, you know, putting my story out there to really say, like, this is part of what it means to be American. Um, and we can be proud of that and accept that that is part of what American, part of being American is, right? Um, and so that this will stop being an issue. It'll be like a foregone conclusion, like five years, <laughs> you know, 10 years from now that we won't even need to have this conversation anymore. Yeah. I'm really curious about how you're feeling about how folks in our country folks like in our counties and like the kind of the fear or like the confusion and the chaos right now about like going to vote um what would you tell folks right now um who might be hesitant to vote angry to vote just like negative uh general negative feelings about voting at the moment <laughs> yeah I, I, I mean voting apathy i could hear it right like it doesn't seem like we have a lot of great options up on the bigger like federal level but there mm -hmm. are so many positions that are open here in california here in la that are up you know um we have a, a congressional seat that is open Right. If you, you know, I don't know where you all stand, but I'm here for a ceasefire. None of our mm. California congressional members have called for a ceasefire. Which of the candidates are running for Congress that will have that ability to say something have done that? You can vote for that person. Right. Um, mm -hmm. Down the ballot, when you're looking at the school board in L.A. County, there are four seats. I don't know if how many people are parents, but I've been an LAUSD parent and man. They need some help down there, <laughs> um, you know, um, and getting the funding for our schools and having uh, representatives on the school board matter. Like those are actually the things that will affect your livelihood on a daily basis. And in L.A. City Council, all the even numbered council districts are up. And usually when people talk about the issues that they actually care about, it ends up being a city council issue, right? It's like, yeah. I want the streets to be clean. I want the lights to be on. I want the trash to get picked up. I want homelessness to go away in a humane way or some of the different ways. But those are all things in the purview of city council. And so it's like, there are, voting may seem like a very distant and less impactful way to achieve social justice. And I would agree with that, right? Um, and, but it's, you try all the things, right? And so mm. every single avenue in which we all are participating in, we should try all of them, right? Um, and, and trust the people in the roles that we want them to play. Because, you know, I can't be an act, like, when elected, I'm not going to be the same as the activists on the street, right? 
Um, and I'm not the same as the doctor. <laughs> like we all have a role to play in this ecosystem of like trying to make the world a better place. And so voting is one piece of that. It's not the end all be all. And I will never say that it is. It's just one of those pieces that, you know, at the end of the day, if we want to stop bombing, we need someone who can pearl the purse strings. And if we don't elect those right people, um, or we don't even participate, then, you know, you can march and you can also vote. <laughs> it's not an either yeah. or, right? Right. It's not going to hurt y'all. <laughs> it's not. You got to try. We got to try. try. And like, the thing is, like, the kind of leadership that we have in the LA City Council gives me optimism and hope. Like, Councilmember Eunices Hernandez, uh, the wins with Nithya Ramon and uh, Hugo Soto Martinez. Like, if we change the leaders and Kenneth Mejia, shout out to. Shout out to. Hey. <laughs> yes. You know, another Catholic school, or I don't know, he went to Providence, but you know, um, private school network in LA, Filipino. <laughs> If we change our leaders that we're putting up there who have our values into those roles, we're starting to see the changes. Like Kenneth changed the game for what it means to be a controller. That is literally the glorified accountant of a city. And I've never seen people so stoked about that position at all. He's yeah. like, go he's literally pulling the receipts on things the city is doing that mm. like be like, yes, the helicopters are costing us this much. And it's like, Oh, nobody ever told us that, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, and that's the kind of like, if we can get that energy in these positions of power, we can move things and make changes. And so, um, you know, finding the right people so that it doesn't feel so sad to vote for certain people again. Um, and so I would say vote, look at the down the ballot, because that's where it affects your lives the most usually. And um, we have the most to gain, I think. Absolutely. And yeah, I there are options, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> there are options. We we I I really one, like thank you for um calling for a ceasefire. I cannot believe we are what what is we're today it's day it's more one, than hundred no, days. Yeah, yep. more than hundred days. And um you know, it's interesting to see how the numbers are growing, like the the number of people who are calling for a ceasefire. But yeah. like we do have the officials who are not listening to us. Um, so when we do see like a Kenneth Mejia, it's like the, you are you are giving us the transparency like mm -hmm. we deserve. Yep. And just knowing that. Y'all, like, go do your research. Like, I'm so happy that you're on our show and we can learn about you because I feel like I don't know if everyone who votes, like, goes through every single candidate, like, with detail. <laughs> and I, I, you know, I, I, I really do my best and it takes, it takes a while, guys. Like, do it, <laughs> do it, do it, in, do it a few days in advance. But like, do your homework because there are candidates out there who are here for your best interest, like Isabel. And um, yeah, just read up, y'all. It's a lot of homework, but it's the homework that we absolutely freaking need right now. <laughs> well, my favorite yeah. thing is like, not a, we know, no, not everybody reads, but I love the friend in the friend group that does the reading. 
that person, love that person. I'm usually that person. Yes. I'm kind of busy. So I can't be. I, I'm, <laughs> yeah, you're busy for sure. I, I'm the person running now, but yes, um, whomever of your friends is going to just tell them now to do the homework so they can do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Isabel, you had mentioned that, you know, you are a busy, you are a busy person, you're meeting a bunch of folks. We know from like your academic credentials and your professional credentials, like you've done a lot, you're very um, knowledgeable about a lot of things. But as you've gone out and met the people, is there anything that you've learned from having talked to folks um, in the last year during your campaign? Oh, something I've learned. I mean, I've gotten to learn this district so much better. Um, I'm like trying to think, you know, one of the, you know, yeah, definitely the things that I've learned. Um, so CD 14 is rather large. It's like a quarter million people. Uh, it includes Northeast LA, Eagle Rock Highland Park, El Sedan and Boyle Heights and downtown LA, which is arts district, Skid Row, Little Tokyo, um, Central City and South Park. And I really have been doing the most learning in the neighborhood of Skid Row. And, you know, really humbling myself and coming like Skid Row and Boyle Heights are neighborhoods I've been to, but they're not ones that I've like, know the way that I know Northeast and really just humbling myself and getting to know community members and learning the rich histories of each neighborhood. Like Boyle Heights has resisted gentrification for decades because they have a rich history of activism, right? That hasn't gone away. And it's just so, every time I meet someone new um, there, like I met Don Jaime like a couple weeks ago, he was a brown beret. He was like regaling me with stories and it's just like so great. And then the other alternative is like going to Skid Row and really getting to know this community that people just think is an oversized encampment but really is a genuine neighborhood like anywhere else. And every single block has its own like character, right? Um, you know, there's Cuban Corner. Um, would they have like, <laughs> Victor has like 15 puppies right now and they're so cute, you know? And, and each, you know, each block literally has its own little system of people. And it's like, well, duh, isn't that how blocks are everywhere else? Like, you have that neighbor here, you have that neighbor here, and you rely on each other for different things, or you communicate, it has a different character. And it just, you know, I, I've just been enjoying my time, spending my time there and learning more about it. And, you know, really want to uplift this community for what it is, our true community, um, and making, you know, without stigma and judgment. Um, and I think that has been, those have been the, you know, the neighborhoods I've learned so much about and continue to want to be in community with. Wow. It's really nice to see uh, someone who um, will be, will be, will be an official. Um, just really like go out into the community and talk to folks and like really, really talk to folks. Um my husband and I were in Nithia's, um, Nithia's face. And he was in line. Wasn't he, he was in line for something. And Nithia was there and was just like talking to folks. And mm -hmm. my husband came home and was just like, that was so nice. <laughs> that was so nice. Like, 
that happened. It was really cool <laughs> to like, you know, talk to Nithya and like, you know, shoot the shit a little bit. So it was, yeah, yeah I, I love that. And I appreciate Nithya and what she does. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Yeah, we're just people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah. yeah, I just don't like to, even as a lawyer, I didn't, I don't like buying into the whole like, I'm supposed to be on a hierarchy where I'm like better than you or have this like superiority. Um, and I just am like never bought into that. I've always like <laughs> Filipino clients will always go like attorney. They'll just call you attorney no matter what. Like, like, you have no first name. Your first name is attorney. I'm like, no, it's just Isabel. And they're like, Isabel? And I was like, yeah. And they're like, but you're an attorney. And I was like, yeah. And they're like, okay and even now they'll like say other things but it's still like I'm just like no it's just Isabel like even on my signs I put Isabel and and I just feel like people are so confused they're just like why'd you put Isabel large and I'm like because that's my name I just want you to call me that and they're like "Mm." it just seems (laughs) like informal and I'm like well you're Howard so I don't (laughs) I, I just I just want there to be this equal power dynamic of like we're just regular people, you know? Um, and we just have different roles to play. So, yeah. Yeah. As folks are listening and getting to know you, mm-hmm. can you give us maybe like your top three things that you value so that people can find out if they jive with that? What are the top three values for you? Core values, I should say. Core values? Yeah. Um, Co-governance. For me, that just means like, I feel like I'm trying to not speak so nerdy. (laughs) We love (laughs) nerdy. Go for um, it, yeah. I I was like a mutually constitutive relationship (laughs) of (laughs) co-governance. For me, it's just like having these, equal relationship, whether it has been lawyer and client, whether it's mother and daughter, for better or for worse, uh, whether it's friend and friend, having a mutually um, strengthening relationship where we're both learning from each other is key to how I approach the world um, and key to how I want to lead. And so we call it co-governance on the campaign, but it's basically like I am just, I'm playing this role and I get to legislate, but I can't do it without you. And as much as I'm learning what I'm supposed to do, I learn the best when I learn from you. And so co-governance is so key to everything we do on this campaign, whether it is even internal to the campaign with my staff. Like I literally, when some endorsement come in, I ask everybody for their opinion, regardless of the hierarchy of a totem pole and everybody's opinion matters to me and what I'm thinking, you know? And I think, um, and even when we do the policies, so co- co-governance is one of them. I'm like the two other values that, um, you know, we have, I'm like that I have, <laughs> I'm just like thinking like, um, you know, what comes to mind right now is like nurturing. Right. And so, yeah, I, I have this whole spiel about how like we're all in the ecosystem and we all have roles to play and that you know in the forest there's the trees that are providing the canopy so that the plants on the floor can grow 
and like, you know, the mushrooms and everything. And like, you can't ask the trees that are providing cam canopy to tell the mushrooms to do something else, right? Like you can't tell them to switch roles. It's just not how it works, but it works in harmony when everyone does everything where they're supposed to together and we have a beautiful forest. And so I just feel like um, <laughs> I am a forest fairy uh, trying to go to city council. I and, love it. And, and nurture <laughs> the souls and like think yes. about life-giving policies that, mm. um, you know, at the end of the day, nurture life instead of trying to stomp it out, right? Whether that means... Um, Reducing police from traffic stops, right? That's a way mm. to prevent deaths, right? Um, improving our public transit because driving in our cars is also another way that we can, you know, is a deadly, is deadly, um, frankly, for pedestrians and drivers. And so thinking about ways that our policies can like save lives and make sure people get to stay where they want to um, without being displaced and nurturing them. Um, whether it's like building housing and having good jobs, like all of those good, good things. So nurturance. Um, I don't even know if that's a real word, but we'll go with it. And then the last one is, um, ooh, I had two, but. Um, Give us two. Give us two. <laughs> I the last two. <laughs> uh, uh, hell, well, the two is resilience and healthy dialogue. For me, healthy mm -hmm. dialogue I have that on the campaign. We have had arguments on this campaign internally, but there have never been anything that we haven't been overcome. And for me, one of mm. one of the arguments I had was actually like a growth, like a growth opportunity for everyone involved. And it allowed us to elevate our team. Like mm. we, I, I, it showed a problem to me and the gaps in understandings and miscommunications. And once people were able to acknowledge it and work on those things. We were able to move forward. And I think our team has become even more cohesive after that. And we're a pretty cohesive team. And so for me, it's like arguments to me are necessary, right? Just like failure is necessary for success. It's just like, it's also, it, it's all learning, you know, it's all learning iterative process until, until when, you know, until we go. <laughs> And then the last one is resilience. Like, uh, I guess, uh, you know, tegas ng ulo maybe <laughs> is the last value that I could never give up and I still have it. And, you know, having the resilience to keep pushing forward on a path or do something, even if the haters tell you it's Photoshop or whatever, um, you know, uh, because, you know, me running in this race is so unlikely and improbable that I was going to win. And now we're emerging to be in like a top two candidate. And it's like, well, if I believed and gave up really early, then I wouldn't be here to reap the benefits uh, and push forward. And so I think resilience, you know, staying strong through it all is always, you know, believing in your own strength. That is probably just been my superpower, <laughs> you know, being a mountain, oh, a five I foot love. mountain. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all these values are so healing yeah all of them all of them um all right as we close what is one thing that you just want all of our listeners to take with them uh, the election is March 5th yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
oh my gosh, my campaign's going to be like, you were so touchy-feely on this one. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, it's my heart. Um, yes, but the camp, uh, the election is March 5th. Uh, ballots drop February 5th. It'll be in everyone's mailbox. If you live in Northeast LA, vote for Isabel. You can find us on our social media at Isabel Harado LA. Um, and yeah, I just, if you want to really talk to me or DM me, you DM the Instagram, I will usually get back to you. <laughs> that is me still. Awesome. <laughs> and what is your handle? Isabel Harado LA. So Y-S-A-B-E-L-J-U-R-A-D-O-L-A. Awesome. 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 Follow, follow, follow. Learn, learn, learn. This is amazing. It was so lovely meeting you and getting to know you. And we are so excited that you are on our ballots. What a wonderful leader you will be in our community, not just for the Filipino community, but everyone in your district and all of Los Angeles. <laughs> and the world. <laughs> the world. <laughs> oh, oh, no. <laughs> Y'all, me searchers, give it up for Isabel Hurado. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you. And thank you all who are listening. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to be a Me Searcher. Follow us at Me Search Podcast and check us out online at MeSearchPodcast.com. And as always, we're going to get to the bottom of things. This is Me Search, folks. Hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs>